What's up, everyone? I want to tell you about a car that you are going to love. Check it out. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, I love that, available dual wireless charging pads, ensure that you can take on any adventure. So let's say you're ready to take the family on a camping trip or something like that. The Santa Fe is perfect for you. You've got all-wheel drive. You can load everyone up in the third row. It's time to start being adventurous, and you need the right car, and that's the Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. Here we go! Email us at fantasyfootball at cbsi.com. Here we go! It's time to dominate your fantasy league. Let's go! Now, here's some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, and Heath. And welcome to another edition of Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. And we've got... Four episodes for you this week. This will be number three. Tomorrow you will, hear, you will hear the XFL preview. I'm Adam Azer. Hey, Dave Richard. You know, Dave, uh, there's uh, there's some infighting already on the podcast before the show even started. Are you, yeah. you, are you nervous about today's show? No, not at all. In fact, it's one of my favorite things about being on this podcast is how we, we tend to have good football discussion even before we hit the record button. So I'm, mm-hmm. I, I, I hope it kind of bleeds into the today's show. I think the people need to hear it. Heath, you and I are, of course, at it again. I don't think there's anything to be added about. Like, we're going to do some really important stuff, talk about team needs, and somehow preparing to talk about team needs. We started talking about the Texans' wide receivers, of which they have no need, despite the fact that DeAndre Hopkins would like for them to bring in Sammy Watkins. And my favorite analyst, Ben Gretsch, is on the show today. Hey, favorite analyst, Ben Gretsch, what's up? Not much, man. I'm excited... I gotta tell you guys, I'm excited for daylight savings time. I'm up here in the north, and I feel like Whoa. it's we've had just darkness for 16 hours a day since the Nixon administration. So it's just time for a little bit of sun. I'm excited well, to come I, out of my hibernation. You know, down here in Florida, we actually voted to get rid of daylight savings time, which mm-hmm. is the correct answer. There's no reason for it anymore, and so I'm not looking forward to. It. I wish it would go away forever. Unfortunately. Well, they wouldn't let us. Wouldn't the solution for getting more sun, Ben, just be to get on an airplane and go somewhere where it's sunny? Move. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> don't don't sit well, don't that. sit in I your place in Washington. In January. Well, there's other months besides of- January, you know. <laughs> I know. I should be. Okay. I should just be living in in uh, Arizona for the entire summer. There you go. Or winter. <laughs> or how about all year round? You still get the West Coast vibe. Lots of sun. Lots of dry heat. You uh, you would probably you, you'd probably complain that there's not enough darkness. I might. I believe Arizona does not have daylight savings time. So so there you go. Now, there are two reasons why Ben Gretsch is my favorite fantasy analyst. Number one, we were arguing before the show about how good Will Fuller is. Ben and I think Will Fuller is awesome. Heath thinks that Kenny Stills is better than Will Fuller. 
And then we got into a debate who was better in the first four years of their career, Kenny Stills versus Will Fuller. I will let you, the listeners at home, decide that. Heath will point out yards per target. I will point out yards per game. You all can have fun with it or don't do it at all, which is probably what's going to happen. The other reason why Ben Gretsch is my favorite fantasy analyst because I have been telling everybody about Omni Fantasy. I am having so much fun in our Omni Fantasy draft, Ben, and I want to thank you for introducing this beautiful thing into my life. And we got a question slash comment from, uh, from our Apple Podcast reviews, and uh, the question came from the user with this username. This is the username. 103-638-920-0137-732-992-267-2919. And he said, or she said, <laughs> I was curious as to what website or app you guys use for Omni Fantasy. Ben, can you answer that question? Yeah, we just built a makeshift site. It's omnifantasy.com. Oh, Pretty okay, simple. great. <laughs> and uh, this is where you're drafting teams, and you are drafting, like, the Yankees, or I think Heath probably took the Rays. I just got the Rays pick. in the 15th round. I can't believe the best team in the AL East was available in the 15th round of our draft. That's awesome. Um and I'm glad that we have Omni Fancy as a sponsor now. <laughs> <laughs> well, I look, I think it's really fun. I, I, in all seriousness, I think if you like fantasy, this is a, is a really cool thing. I didn't realize how much I'd be enjoying it. We haven't even started the league yet. We're still doing the draft. But, you're, you know, we're drafting tennis players, golfers, NASCAR drivers, three different types of soccer teams, WNBA, NBA, XFL, NFL, of course, college football, college basketball. Uh, I'm sure I'm forgetting a few leagues there, but you can customize it however you want, but it's really cool and check it out and let's get on with the show. So we have team needs uh, for the AFC North and the AFC South. We also have a cool interview that we did with Stephen Holder, who covers the Colts for the athletic. And we're going to ask him, we already did it. Dave and I did it yesterday. We asked him about Philip rivers. We asked him about uh, what he said about Paris Campbell. I thought was really interesting. So you'll hear that later on in the show. What and he also, said about Marlon Mack and Naheem Hines was interesting. Every, it was a really good interview. I think very fantasy relevant and very good stuff and surprising stuff. And also it turned out that he went to college at the, the same college at the same exact time as Dave Richard. And that was a strange coincidence. So we asked him about that. All right. News and notes. Here we go. Tom Brady to San Francisco, Dave? It's apparently a possibility, according to NBC Sports Boston. What do you think? I think I think he'd be a wonderful fit there. I'd be stunned if that's what happens. Don't they don't they already have a guy who kind of looks like Brady sometimes when he plays in Garoppolo? I th- thought they did. So why do they need to go and spend a lot more money on Brady? It doesn't sound like it's a realistic possibility. It sounds just more like fodder that we're getting these days and we're going to keep getting it until free agency really starts and then brady makes his official decision which will be probably i don't know i guess it's not staying in new england at this point we all say (laughs) that but he he restructured his deal so that he wouldn't get franchised uh he sold his house there 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 are so many clues that suggest that he is done with the patriots i i it's weird thinking about him in any other uniform but, uh, yeah, I, I think there's actually a real chance that he's he's walking here. Is he really going to leave? Like, come on. I, like, is he, is he really going to leave? I also think, like, this is really fun for, like, speculation. And it's really fun for the NFL and, like, the Belichick-Brady angle. And I'm, I'm fine to talk about it a bunch. It probably almost doesn't matter in fantasy. 
Like he's not going to some team and making them a lot better for fantasy. The Patriots mostly aren't going to be that relevant for fantasy. I don't expect. So I don't. I don't know how much it will matter. I'm. I'm already thinking about him in Tampa Bay, and I think I'd like him there. I think those receivers can, and I think that offense can make him put up good numbers one more time, one more year. So does anybody care about Jared Stidham in a dynasty league, Patriots quarterback? Who? I think so. Yeah. If it's a deep enough dynasty I, I, league, I, I think, yeah. Uh, yeah, you kind of trust the Patriots machine a little bit to get the most out of these players. So he's, I don't I don't know if we've actually mentioned his name at all on the podcast. No, so because Jared he's— Stidham could could be the quarterback. He's roster worthy in a dynasty league, but I don't I don't think that there's a whole lot of value beyond that. All right, let's get through the next few news items quickly here. Denver's going to acquire cornerback AJ Boye from Jacksonville for a fourth round pick. Chris Harris is a free agent. Carolina and the Chargers swapped offensive linemen. Carolina getting Russell Okung a left tackle. Chargers getting offensive guard Trey Turner. And both these guys have some pretty good credentials. Dave, is there a big fantasy takeaway from the Panthers getting Okung and the Chargers getting Trey Turner? I I think both of these guys probably have better name value than actual NFL value. I do think that Turner, is he's younger, so he could probably stick around a little bit longer on the Chargers offensive line. It might put the Chargers in the market for a left tackle in the first round or the second round. Uh, Okung going to Carolina, he knows a coach there. Uh, he's he's been banged up. Both these guys have been banged up recently, and in the case of Okun, long term, I don't think there's a major fantasy angle here. The, unfortunately, the only thing I like, and I think this is another signal. The Panthers sent out that letter, kind of preparing their fans for the tank, and this oh, yeah. is a move that I don't think is in the interest of being better in 2019. No, you know what it is. It's, it's it, getting rid of Trey Turner's salary, finding right. a comparable offensive lineman who's in a contract year and is old in Okung, and just letting him play out the string this year. So the only thing that I take that worries me just a little bit is if they fully commit to this tank Dolphin style, it could be bad for Christian McCaffrey. It I, could make it difficult for him to repeat. They could... Like they were bad last year, they could theoretically be worse than they were last year. There's there's something that's in my head that I I don't want to even say because it would be really bad. I I don't I don't even want to say it, but it it would make Christian value Christian's value. Say awful. it, say yeah, it. You can't just it. lead in with that. Yeah, say it. <laughs> All right, here it goes. What if Christian McCaffrey holds out for the entire 2020 season? He's in a contract year. He wants more money. He doesn't show up to camp. Panthers are tanking. They say, okay, don't come. This is great. You'll be fine for 2021. He doesn't come. He doesn't play. He doesn't get a snap. He doesn't catch a ball. And then he's ready to go in 2021 when the Panthers draft Trevor Lawrence, keep him in the Carolinas, spend the next two drafts improving their offensive line and defense as best as they can. It'll be great for McCaffrey. He'll have plenty of tread on the tire, but we won't have him in 2020. But he has a fifth-year option, right? Uh, yeah, So first-round like, pick. So it's not really really a contract year if they pick up the fifth year option. Sure, but he could still hold out after what he's done. He can certainly go to him and say, "Listen, if you don't give me more money, I'm not going to show up." And if they're truly tanking, they might be okay with that. I can't believe David just said that on the show. Oh my gosh! All right, a few more notes. I here. hope it doesn't happen. Um, but it's something that I've thought about. Matthew Barry was talking to Mike Mayock and Ron Rivera. Mike Mayock, the Raiders GM, said he expects Josh Jacobs to be heavily involved in the passing game. That would be a big deal because he only had 
20 catches. He was on pace for 25 catches. Josh Jacobs missed a few games. Those 25, if he had caught 25 passes, that would have ranked 42nd among running backs. And they already have Jalen Richard, who they signed to a two-year extension, not for a ton of money, but uh, $4.6 million guaranteed. DeAndre Washington's a free agent. Meanwhile, Ron Rivera said he expects Darius Geis, Adrian Peterson, and Bryce Love to have a role in 2020. Let's start Does with everybody. the Raiders and Josh Jacobs. Yeah, yeah everybody gets in. to run the ball you can, for You Washington. have a carry. Ben, your thoughts on that, on Josh Jacobs being heavily involved in the passing game. Do you buy it? It's really hard to buy it. Um, I'm going to probably be late on this train. It could certainly happen, um, but... You know, I, I've already said this offseason, the Jalen Richard contract really reminds me of when the, everyone thought Giovanni Bernard was going to leave the Bengals in free agency, and they gave him a very similar contract with, you know, a decent guarantee. Richard got $4.6 million guaranteed. He's a great pass catcher. He was better than Jacob as a pass catcher last year. That's his role. Uh, you, you might even lose Derek Carr, who has a habit of checking down and throwing underneath. If you bring in another quarterback who pushes the ball down the field more, the overall running back targets could drop. I don't really see this becoming like uh, a, a strong point in Josh Jacobs' fantasy profile, but there's been a lot of buzz around it, so you know it's it's it could happen. It could happen if the Raiders decide that they just want to make that a bigger element in their offense, that they just want to throw to the running backs more, take carries off of all their running backs, and take targets away from everybody else in their offense. They already had uh, 111 targets to their running backs last year. And that includes 41 to DeAndre Washington. So if Washington doesn't get 41 targets for whatever reason, then Jacobs could have a chance to get close to 40 total after he had 27 last year. Yeah, he was pretty close to on pace for 40 total. Actually. So maybe he even gets he 50, might get 50 targets. Yeah. But that's still that doesn't mean 50 catches. And so I, it's hard to believe that he's going to go and become a, a reception behemoth now. And what do you think, Heath, about that Redskins backfield uh, if three players are involved, Geis, Peterson, and Love? What do you think? Well, I mean, with Darius Geis's injury history and Adrian Peterson's age, I don't think it's unreasonable to say you expect Bryce Love to have a role in the backfield. He'll probably have a few games where he has to have a few carries. It's just going to come down to whether Darius Geis can be healthy. I think that even if he's sharing with Adrian Peterson, even if when Peterson goes down, he shares with Love, Geis is still an excellent breakout candidate this year. He's putting in the work this offseason. This is kind of the chance that he has to prove that he can stay healthy, and it may be another injury. But uh, I, I like Geis as a draft target in the mid-rounds. Rest of your news and notes before we get into the team needs. Green Bay not expected to bring back Jimmy Graham. He was actually third on the team in targets. We know they've been linked to Austin Hooper. They only had 60 targets. I mean, it was Devontae Adams and then like everybody else just way behind in targets. San Francisco exercise Kyle Juszczyk's fourth-year option. Here's the here's what they averaged in terms of yards per carry in four games without use check. 2.4, 3.5, 6.1 against Carolina, the worst defense basically against the run, and 3.3. So three out of four games averaging 3.5 or fewer yards per carry without Kyle Juszczyk. He makes a big, big difference for them. And the Steelers intend on keeping Vance McDonald, according to DK Pittsburgh Sports. McDonald was a top 12 tight end kind of by default in 2018. And obviously, you kind of throw out 2019. We've got the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast you need to be listening to right now. It's in full swing, five days a week. In fact, we're going to have a sixth episode. That's a mailbag that airs on Saturday uh, this, this current week. So please check out Fantasy Baseball Today. 
Uh, a chance to be in our 2020 podcast league with our bracket challenge. March Madness is coming right up. So we're going to do – we do this every year now. We do a podcast listeners bracket challenge with the baseball listeners and the football listeners. But the baseball season starting so early. So what we're going to do is whoever wins the bracket challenge, if you're a football listener, you're in the podcast league. I'll have to settle any ties randomly. But if you're a football listener and you win the bracket challenge, we had uh, I'm hoping for 2,000 people this time, so it's going to be tough. Uh, just look out for the links. I'll put when the when the challenge is ready to go. I'll put it in the uh, show descriptions. I'll tweet it. You can email us. I'll give it to you. Um, join the bracket challenge. Try to win it. And if you need help winning that bracket cha- bracket challenge, check out Sportsline.com. All right, like you know R.J. White. He's on the XFL episodes. He's like the best XFL better in XFL history, and that's probably an accurate statement considering this is year one. Um, but all of the experts on Sportsline do a great job, and if you want to give it a shot for $1 for your first month, use the promo code HUDDLE when you sign up at Sportsline.com. So they have great March Madness content, brackets, uh, gambling on every game, you know, and it's all the sports. It's any gambling you want to do. Go to Sportsline.com. And use the promo code HUDDLE. First month is only a dollar, and then it renews at just $9.99, which is still a steal. To the AFC North, here we go. Baltimore. All right, Ben, I'm going to ask you for the team need for the Baltimore Ravens. They were the number one seed in the AFC. They went 14-2. and two. But What do you think they need? And then we'll talk about it from a fantasy angle. Well, defensive end is a big question because they don't know if Matthew Judon will be back. Um, and, and they have a couple other smaller needs on defense. But I think when you look at offense, which we're obviously a little bit more concerned about, it's it's wide receiver. They, they have good running back depth. They obviously have a, a great young tight end and tight end depth. Uh, and they like to use those tight ends. But at receiver, you have Marquise Brown, who had a very good rookie year. You have Miles Boykin, who was decent uh, and I think could, could be a long-term number two. But... They probably want to add someone else, um, even if Boykin is a, a productive player, to, to be a third receiver option to replace basically Willie Sneed's snaps last year. So I think that's the big offensive need. All right, guys. So let's say the Ravens go out and, and get themselves a wide receiver. Dave and Heath, what would your reaction be? And let's, you know, let's, uh, you can pick the wide receiver. <laughs> go ahead. Uh, it would be sucks for Miles Boykin. Like, that's the biggest reaction. Um, if they go prioritize a wide receiver really early in the draft, I would think they're probably going to have Lamar throw a little bit more this year. Because mm-hmm. I think they have the wide receivers they need for the offensive game plan they ran last year. Um, it would have to be a really a first or second round pick for me to care. I don't want a receiver that comes in and takes something away from Mark Andrews. Because I, I, I started thinking Mark Andrews isn't really a tight end for them. I, I know he does some blocking stuff, but he's more of like the short area target for Lamar Jackson, and Hollywood Brown was more of the deeper threat in that offense, and Willie Sneed would get some short targets as well. And, you know, Miles Boykin, there, there still seems to be some excitement about him in Baltimore. So we'll see. They could add somebody in round three-plus, and it couldn't make a huge impact on the other parts of that Ravens offense now. They threw the fewest amount of passes in the NFL. They led the NFL in rush attempts and uh, fewest pass attempts in the NFL last year. Of course, they didn't. I don't think they led the NFL in running back rush attempts but Lamar Jackson had 176 carries. All right, so I think, I think we're cool there. Let's go to Pittsburgh. Eight and eight, second in the AFC North. Um, but in 2018, Pittsburgh was the most pass-heavy team in the NFL, actually. They, they led the NFL in pass attempts. They were 31st in rush attempts. And I think 
hopefully you look at 2018 as a better example of what Pittsburgh will be than 2019 without Roethlisberger. Dave, what's the team need for the Steelers? You know, offensively, I think they're competitive now. I don't know about long term. I don't know if they've they've got the pieces in place, and that certainly starts at quarterback with Roethlisberger, who is entering his age 38 season. He's got two years left on his deal. They say he's going to be ready to start the year. We don't know if that's going to be the case. They need to find an heir apparent for, for, for Roethlisberger because Mason Rudolph isn't it. They don't have anybody else on their roster. It's not Duck Hodges either. So they need to go and draft a quarterback first and foremost. And and I think that they can address running back as well. They don't have a lot invested in James Conner or Benny Snell or Jalen Samuels. They could add another running back there. And if it's somebody who can knock all three of them off the field, that would be great for fantasy and it would be good for their offense as well. I think they're good at wide receiver. Juju had a bad year. Quarterback play was an issue. He got hurt. That was an issue. I think he can bounce back this year. I think Deontay Johnson can take a step forward in his second year. And then there's tight end. They don't really have a nice young tight end on their roster. It sounds like Vance McDonald will be back. I'm sure he will tease some fantasy managers into drafting him with a late pick. But I, I think that that's really – I think that they've got a lineup that's good to go for week one. And I think they can still be very competitive in the AFC North. And I think running back is really – very interesting for the Pittsburgh Steelers because James Conner had almost 1,500 yards in 13 games in 2018. He was you know, a fantasy star, and he scored 12 rushing touchdowns, and Le'Veon Bell has never in his career scored double-digit rushing touchdowns. It was kind of funny to see yeah, right. Conner do that in his first year as a starter. Uh, but he can't stay healthy, played 10 games last year, and has, not ha- has had more than 16 carries once in his last 15 games, dating back to 2018. So, Ben, what's your read on James Conner right now? Like, let's say we were drafting right now. Uh, when do you think James Conner should be drafted in a 12-team league? He's a tough one. I, I, I've had a hard time trying to figure out where to rank him and what to even think of him. I, I think because of Jalen Samuels and, and Benny Snell and, and the fact that they played and were fine last year that I'm I'm not as confident in his role as I was going into last year, and especially because of his you know his injuries as well, like you noted. Um, but yeah, I, there, there was plenty of, of reason for optimism going into last year after his 2018 and, and to believe that he would be a workhorse back like Le'Veon Bell was and, and seems like the Steelers prefer even when Bell missed time they did it with you know D'Angelo Williams it's it's a staple of the Mike Tomlin Steelers era that they have kind of one back that they're trusting so you know I I still see the upside for sure but he's it's a tough one it's a tough one to like buy into it because we just don't know how healthy he'll be and it, it's really interesting looking at him compared to a couple other backs. And I'm not saying he's on their level talent-wise, but from that same draft class, Leonard Fournette and Dalvin Cook, he's played more games than both of those guys. Now, yeah, that's he, very true. He, he didn't play as many last year, so maybe... And he I think he did have more injury problems than those guys did in college. But, like, I don't know that I'm as concerned about him as you guys are. I think he's definitely better than Benny Snell and Jalen Samuels as a complete running back. And we still, like, last year when he went down, they had this thing where they chopped it up amongst the running backs. That was something we hadn't seen from them before, and we didn't see from them the year before when James Conner was healthy. So the most difficult thing for me is knowing this year James Conner is healthy for 15 games. What percentage of the workload is he getting? Is it like every year before last year? Or is it like last year where they're chopping things up again? I think it comes down to how well he plays. I think that's a question that the Steelers probably can't answer, and I don't know if they want to answer that i think that they might be happy 
going with the split role now, assuming that they're getting something good out of Jalen Samuels and Benny Snell. Connor's in a contract here. If he doesn't play well this year, he might be out of the league in 2021. So there, there, there's a lot on the line for him. I, I'm saying the over-under at round four. I would take him in round four. Um, I guess that means the over-under should be round three and a half then, if I'm, if I'm making this a game. Yeah, I'm not letting him get to round four. Okay, so you'll take him before me. I don't know about Ben and Adam, but I, I think that that's the safest spot for him. I'll tell you where he went in our PPR draft that we did in January. He went in round five. This was a PPR league with I wasn't three wide receivers. He went in, uh, you weren't in that one. How about that? <laughs> he went to Chris Towers, who basically is Heath Cummings version two, 2.0. Uh, <laughs> and he went in between Kenyon Drake and Devontae Freeman, who all three of them were pretty good picks in round five, I'd have to say, uh, right after Patrick Mahomes. But I, I just want to say two things. James Conner, he missed a lot of time. He came back from an injury. He played one game against the Bills and had eight carries and four catches. He had eight carries. The rest of the Pittsburgh running backs had four carries. So, I don't know, two-thirds of the workload is still not great, but that's only one game. Then the next game, he only had six carries, but he left with an injury. So it's really hard to know. But Heath also said that Connor has played more games than Leonard Fournette or Dalvin Cook, and that just drives me crazy because he played 14 games as a rookie, and he had 32 carries. So I get out of here with that stat. He's played 23 <laughs> games over his last definitively two Definitely true. How many games has James Connor played compared to Dalvin Cook and Leonard Fournette? Such a heat stat. Such Matthew Slater stat. has played so many games. Why isn't he considered an elite fantasy receiver? <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's go on to our next team here. Uh, the Cleveland Browns, Heath. What do the Cleveland Browns need? They went 6-10, and ten, third place in the North. You really should have gave Ben the Browns uh, if you were a better host because Ben could tell you all they needed was a head coaching change. They have all <laughs> of the offensive talent in the world, and the coaching change is going to fix everything. And that's quite possible. I don't think we know for sure, but you look at their offense, and it's possible that they have a franchise quarterback in Baker Mayfield who's going to be a very good quarterback in the NFL for the next 10 years. It's also possible after this year they're thinking, hmm, should we draft a quarterback? Um, running back, they're obviously set as long as they tender Kareem Hunt. They'll have Chubb and Hunt. Wide receiver, I think, and this gets back to the regime again, I think they're set with Beckham and Landry and then what they have behind those two. Rashard Higgins was a guy that got into the doghouse with the most with their coaching staff last year. It sounds like they want to give him another chance of being the number three guy. David Njoku, a tight end, was a guy who got into the doghouse last year, but we love from a talent and upside perspective, and he's still young enough, so I, I think maybe more than thinking they need anything other than offensive line, which they need a ton of, um, it's going to be very telling. Do they draft a wide receiver in the first four or five rounds? Do they draft a tight end in the first four rounds? And that will kind of tell us how they feel about Higgins and Najoku. But mostly I would just say the Browns need offensive line help. Oh, let's hear from Ben. What do you think, Ben? Uh, I think that's right. <laughs> and, and I mean, yeah, his his... His uh, he's take at the beginning that all that was wrong with the team last year was the coaching staff. I still, yeah, I believe. I mean, he, you know, he can say it like it's kind of a joke, but it's, in my opinion, pretty clear. Uh, I think when you see all of the different pieces that were on that that team, their wide receivers, their assistant coaches speaking out publicly about how horribly run this organization was, I think it's very, very clear that uh, a new leadership will be at, at, if nothing else at least an improvement i i do think the one the one thing i'll say about that and it was a it was a joke obviously when i said it that way yeah 
The one thing I will say about it is I think it's also possible that it's very difficult to be the leader of a team with the personalities of Baker Mayfield, Odell Beckham, Jarvis Landry, Kareem Hunt, and David Njoku. Like, it could be more of a problem with that collection of guys and maybe a combination of kitchens, too. What did Njoku do? Well, he was was in the biggest doghouse of all last year. I think Njoku thinks he's better than he actually is. He's, and Ben thinks he's well, every bit that good, and everybody doesn't know it yet. <laughs> right? Well, I think he's good. he is good. He's very talented. He's an, he's an unbelievable. He's very talent. athletic. There's no question he's about it. He's very athletic. He's OJ Howard level of <laughs> of talent. <laughs> he I, is a uh, poor man's OJ Howard. Yes. Would anybody actually draft Jarvis Landry ahead of Odell Beckham, or would that be insane? That's that's insane, especially with the injury that. Or the surgery that oh, Landry sure. had on his hip, and he's got to come back they, from it. They both had surgery, right? They did, but I think I think Landry's happened later, and I think his recovery time is longer. I believe that's correct as well. I wouldn't, but like Landry was definitively better than Beckham last year, and they were both playing hurt. There's going to be somebody in every league that sees Landry languishing a little bit longer on their draft boards, and, and they're going to say, he's always been a value pick. I'm going to take him, and you know what? He probably will be, even if he misses the first couple of games of the year. He literally always has, though. Like, he's yeah. beat his ADP by a lot every season of his career. And he, but I, I still think he goes in the right spot. Like, it's weird because I would rather have the young potential breakout receivers ahead of him. It's hard to rank him higher than like wide receiver 30, but he's a value at wide receiver 30, absolutely, when you get to that point. Well, this is something that I get into when we start talking about projections more. He absolutely should beat his projection every year because he plays 16 games every year. Like You'll see guys in my projections that are projected for 10 more fantasy points than they scored last year. And last year they were the number 20 wide receiver, and now I've got him projected as the number 28 wide receiver. And that's because if they play 16 games, they will be number 28 because eight guys in front of them are going to get hurt. So in uh, Cincinnati, Ben, they were 2-14. and 14. We know they're going to get a quarterback. Do they need anything else? Well, I mean, you could make an argument for tight end. I think Tyler Eifert's probably gone. I, I um, think they're probably fine with C.J. Uzama, too, though. They, they, I think they're good at receiver. Right? And what I'm seeing a lot of is people saying that they need to upgrade receiver. But if A.J. Brown or A.J. Green <laughs> is back, <laughs> I think, I mean, Tyler Boyd doesn't get enough credit. This guy is legitimately one of the most productive slot receivers in the league. He was very, very productive, an absolutely dominant career at Pitt. It took him a couple of years to catch on with Cincinnati, but like he's a very, very good receiver that you should count as not just like an average number two receiver. He's like a one B, even though he's not like your traditional outside alpha X receiver. So with Green and Boyd, and then you have John Ross and Auden Tate, I don't see how, I mean, I know they ran into a lot of injuries at the position last year, but I don't see how wide receiver is much of a need i think they're probably fine there what they really need to do is protect joe burrow they need to upgrade the offensive line that was an issue for andy dalton all throughout his career Uh, i obviously think they're fine in the backfield as well joe mixon and giovanni bernard but they need to invest in the offensive line and then i think burrow does have plenty of weapons especially at wide receiver you know like i said maybe could use a tight end upgrade but if they can just build out an offensive line, this offense could be really good in Zach Taylor's second year. I agree. I hope they don't add a tight end. I hope they just stick with Uzama and they give him you know, two targets a game max. Let those wide receivers work. That's what Joe Burrow leaned on quite a bit at LSU. I know that Thaddeus Moss had his numbers as well when he was there, but spread them out. Use three or four receivers on as many plays as you can, and uh, 
let Joe Burrow just make smart decisions with the football. That'll be how Cincinnati can win in 2020. Who should be drafted first, Tyler Boyd or A.J. Green? <laughs> I want to decide that in August when I find out how healthy A.J. Green is. If A.J. Green's healthy, I will I will probably take him in a lot of leagues. We you know, we talked about it a little bit on the last show. He's not much older than than Julio Jones, and he has when healthy been similarly productive. I mean, this guy was like a, a first round pick in redraft leagues two or three seasons ago. He's still an elite talent. Yes, he missed all last year. But you might wind up getting him at a huge discount if he's back and Joe Burrow is actually you know, very good in his first season. The problem is, and right now I have Green ranked ahead of Tyler Boyd, and it's going to change probably soon because they're going to franchise tag him. And A.J. Green talked about it in October that if they franchise tag him, he's not participating in any offseason stuff, maybe not even training camp. And so we're not going to know how healthy he is. And so I, I don't think I'm going to be comfortable. And A.J. Green was very good on a per-game basis a couple of years ago. But we haven't seen much from him. He's missed a full season over the last year and half a season and two of his last three seasons before that. So I, I'm I'm pretty concerned about it. Does he not have top five receiver upside? I don't if know. He's showing up in Cincinnati from the start of training camp, happy to be there, smiling face, catching passes from Joe Burrow as the number one guy. I think he does. So he does. I'm taking him ahead of Tyler he's, Boyd. He's been a has he been a top five receiver in the last five years? I don't I mean, I'm thinking about the early part of those last five years. We're talking about like I'm, I'm looking. Be? So he 2016, 2015, 2014, somewhere in there. I, he was probably close to it. We can check and see. No, 2013 was seasons. the last time. 2012 and 2013, he was a top five wide receiver. Okay, he okay, was number. But, but he was top ten in 2017. Okay, he, so he, I'll, he was I'll six, amend what I said. He was to six top in 2016. He was I'm six sorry? in 2016. Okay, so he's in got top ten potential six, very yeah. easily if if he's on board with if what's what he was three Cincinnati. years ago. Okay, that's fair too because he has been banged up. There is downside with him, and that makes Boyd safer. But I, I, I've got them both as round six picks in PPR. So uh, part of actually uh, part of his last ahead. couple of seasons, though, you have to like he hasn't had great quarterback play, and I, I believe Andy Dalton was hurt a little bit in that time. But also, Andy Dalton just isn't very good himself. The so, odds are he will not have good quarterback play this year. Uh, I think Joe Burrow's really good. So I, well, I think he probably will be really good. But you think he's better than Kyler Murray? No, I don't think he's. I, as a passer, he might be. Yes. Um, but yes. and I, I understand rookie quarterbacks struggle. But I think he will give a um, like he has the arm strength, he has the ability to extend plays, he has the ability to do things that Andy Dalton doesn't. He'll give like he might throw interceptions and not be like super successful, but he has the arm talent that he can immediately be a better quarterback for A.J. Green and make certain types of throws, back shoulder throws, what have you, that Andy Dalton is not as accurate on or is just not as good at, at executing, in my opinion. Um, and that's very subjective. But I, I, yeah. like and A.J. I, Green's not old. He's been injury prone, but he's not old. And he, this guy was always an elite talent. Yes, it was a long time ago that he was productive, but I don't chalk that up to him losing any skill. I, and I would just say that I, I, couple of, I, I want to be very clear. I fully 100% expect Joe Burrow to be better than Andy Dalton in the short-term future. I just think like if you're looking at historically rookie quarterbacks just as passers, 
the odds are in his rookie year he will be worse than Andy Dalton has been as a quarterback. Right, sure. And that's just looking at just the history of rookie quarterbacks in the league. It has nothing necessarily to do with Joe Burrow. And even like the the top rookie quarterback taken each year, like the best rookie quarterback Mm -hmm. each year is generally worse than Andy Dalton in his rookie year. By the way, I want to clarify something I was saying earlier. I said Green was sixth in 2016. That was actually on a per-game basis. He only played 10 games, I believe, that year, but he was having a he was on pace for 1,542 yards and six touchdowns. So uh, just clarifying that. All right. Let's hear now from Stephen Holder, who covers the Colts for the Athletic, and then we will get into the AFC South. So we want to talk about the Indianapolis Colts. Adam Azer, Dave Richard here. We're bringing on Stephen Holder. He covers the Colts for the Athletic, and you can follow him on Twitter at Holder Stephen. That's S T E P H E N. Colts went seven and nine. They started off hot. They went five and two and then lost seven of their last nine games. Some close losses in there. And the quarterback position is obviously a hot topic around the Colts. So, Stephen, thank you for coming on the show. And is Philip Rivers going to be on the Colts? <laughs> uh, the million dollar question. I, I, I'm not ruling it out. I still think that uh, the, the Colts are, well, let's put it this way. I don't think it's a slam dunk. Let's put it that way. I, I think it's certainly a possibility. I think everybody knows that, but I am not as convinced as maybe some others are out there. I think a lot of what the Colts are doing right now is truly, truly due diligence. And that's what I've been told. Uh, now, oftentimes due diligence leads to action, right? So we'll have to see. But, but I think I don't think that we can necessarily assume they're investigating the free agent quarterbacks, be it Philip Rivers or others. I don't think we can necessarily assume that means they're going to act and go that route. They're they're keeping all their options open. They're waiting for some of these dominoes to fall, and then we will see where they wind up. So it'll we'll, we'll know soon. That seems to be the the uh, the code for when and where will Tom Brady sign? Since <laughs> it seems to be the the first domino, and and I'm. I'm guessing that Brady isn't really an option in Indianapolis, but could could a rookie with their first pick at 13 overall, could that be an option if they decide that they don't want to pay too much for Rivers and they say, you know what, Jacoby's good enough to get us through the start of the season and we could have a prospect to develop along the way? To be honest, I frankly see that as still, to this point, the most likely option for the Colts. I think that they are most likely to, to sort of uh, give Jacoby some more leeway see what happens, uh, see how he performs, draft the quarterback here in April if the opportunity presents itself. And, and certainly it may or may not at 13, but at some point I think they draft the quarterback with one of those top three picks they have, and they're well positioned to do that. And then give that young man an opportunity to grow and develop. So I think they're looking at this both in long term and short term. They have a team that can win right now that that has some pieces. They don't have all their pieces, but they have some some quality pieces, and an outstanding offensive line. So they have a team that's able to, I think, I don't know if contend is the right word, but certainly a team that can compete for the division title. So at least they believe that that they do. So it's going to be a matter of how they can remain competitive right now and also address that quarterback need for the long term. Steven, we are obviously looking at this from a fantasy angle, and Marlon Mack was was good. He was better in non-PPR, obviously. He was the 15th best running back in PPR leagues. Points per reception, he was number 22, and he only had 14 catches in 14 games. Now, Naeem Hines has a role there, obviously, but do you think 
that we could get more catches out of Marlon Mack. I mean, Philip Rivers is the quarterback. He throws his running backs all the time. But regardless of who it is, do you think Marlon Mack could be more involved? I mean, could he double his catches? Could he get close to 30 catches? That would be big for fantasy owners. Yeah, I think there could be some sort of uh, meager increase for Marlon Mack. I don't think a huge increase, though, is really in the cards. And and the reason for that is because I, I think there's still a chance that Naheem Hines sees a more expanded role. And honestly, I think he kind of demands it just because he's such a unique player. I've always wondered whether they have really maximized Naheem Hines. Now, that is not a knock on Marlon Mack. Clearly, he's a very, uh, very accomplished running back. I think that uh, when you factor in, though, the fact that Naheem Hines is or was a college wide receiver initially. He was a slot receiver at NC State. I just think he's such a weapon there in the passing game that most of the the passes out of the backfield or the receptions, excuse me, out of the backfield, they're still probably going to go to Hines. And that's probably the right way to approach it. I mean, he's just such a weapon. If you can get him in space, they got to do a better job on screens. They execute him terribly. Uh, but if they could find out or figure out a way uh, to do a better job on screens, Naheem Hines is going to have all kinds of opportunities. You, you know, Frank Reich has talked about that with Hines and and how being in the the hurry up offense, just one element yep. of, of the game, that's his baby. I think he actually used that exact term to talk about Hines. And you look at the data over the last two years, Naheem Hines, 4.3 targets per game. And Mac has 1.65 targets per game. You want to round that up to 1.7 to make yourself feel better about it. Go right ahead. But here's where I'm at with Mac. If, if he's not going to be this every down dynamo for Indianapolis and we know he's entering a contract here he's 24 years old could it be that the Colts might not be committed to Mac as their main running back after this year could they find a replacement for him in the draft I happen to think he's he's special and and definitely um, above average not just sort of running the mill Uh, I think the question (laughs) when you have the Colts I talked about that offensive line earlier, right? I think we have seen a couple of instances where Marlon Mack was not in the lineup and the Colts ran for a bunch of yards, right? So Uh, I I think there's clearly a question there. Right. How much of this is Marlon Mack and how much of this is a function of just a a really good uh, combination of offensive line performance, uh, really good game planning up front. They've added to that now is a couple of, uh, changes to the coaching staff. So I, I really think it's it's just been difficult, I think, to really credit how much or determine how much credit goes to Marlon Mack. I happen to think a lot of it goes to him, but I also think that we cannot overlook just what they have put together in terms of uh, the personnel up front and the scheme uh, and the way they attack defenses uh, in the running game with Frank Reich and his staff. If you could assess the wide receivers, I saw recently on The Athletic, you, you talked about them potentially signing Nelson Aguilar, uh, T.Y. Hilton, Paris Campbell. I mean, what do these guys have to offer, do you think? And I think Hilton's obviously the big one. Want to know what he has left in the tank at this point. He's been so a little bit injury-prone lately. Um, what, do you, what do you think about the wide receivers? Is there a standout among them? Is it still T.Y. Hilton? It's still T.Y. Hilton. I think the concern with T.Y. is uh, it's not a – I don't think alarm bells – are required just yet. I think that it bears monitoring, though, right? I mean, when the guy's 30 years old at that position, he's a speed guy, I, he's undersized. All of those things, I think, are are part of the reality with T.Y. Hilton. And that's why I think the Colts have to think about life after T.Y. Hilton at this point. Uh, I am not putting him out to pasture. No way. I think he's still very effective. 
I still I think defenses really respect him. Uh, he's an outstanding route runner. So that actually limits, I think, how much he relies on his speed. But his speed is a big part of his game. So so we'll see. I, I think it, this is a big year for T.Y. Can he stay healthy? Can he continue to perform? Uh, he's got one more year left on that contract, right? So what happens there? So there's some questions in terms of his future and how they handle that. I still think he retires a Colt, but but certainly uh, his future is you know something to monitor. Uh, Paris Campbell is a guy they love. I mean, love. However, look, hmm. there is an asterisk there, right? I mean, if he he's played one year, so I, we can't say that that the injuries he suffered as a rookie, like that's the book on Paris Campbell, because we don't know that. But uh, certainly, he has a lot to live down. And he had really three major injuries uh, that kept him on the sideline uh, for some length of time last season. Uh, had a broken hand, a broken foot, uh, a hamstring injury that kept him out through all, all of training camp. Right, so I mean, he was from day one uh, in and out of the lineup and never got going. But I saw the flashes, and I know I see what Frank Reich is excited about. But if he's not out there, he's not out there. So I, I think it's a, a position they have to address and. This draft matches up with with that need, uh, as you well know, in a really great way. So uh, they're going to have an opportunity there to really, I think, infuse that position with some talent. They haven't done it. I mean, uh, Paris Campbell, as a second-round pick, he's really the only investment, the only major investment, I think, that Chris Ballard, their GM, has made at wide receiver in his three drafts. So uh, it's time. All right, Steven, so I want to thank you for coming on. But first, I've got to tell you something about yourself that you didn't even know. You actually went to college the same exact years, the same exact college as Dave Richard. And we just, I just want to know, how come you guys didn't hang out? Dave, what's up with that? You couldn't find Stephen Holder at University of Miami? <laughs> you know, we might have hung out and we just didn't know Maybe? it or we might not remember because yeah. we had some crazy times. But uh, yeah, I, I found yeah. out, hey, Stephen, that you and I went to Miami at the same time. <laughs> Probably were at the Ratskeller at the same time and the UC at the same time. Well, that explains it, right? If you're at the Ratskeller, then right. you know, bad things were probably happening. So Very. I don't remember any of that. No. So there's that. <laughs> I'm blocking it out. And we, we also probably walked uh, the stage together to graduate. We both How? communications majors, I believe. How funny is that? Yeah. It, it happens all the time. You get, you get those Facebook uh notifications or suggestions from people like why don't i know this person you know that <laughs> happens to be all the time so i don't know uh it's a big world and a big campus so it is a better job and it's it's great to be a miami hurricane except the past five ten years or so the football team just not a lot of good stuff coming out of there but uh Except uh, on Saturdays, yes, it's great to be a Hurricane. Except on Saturdays, except, uh, right. what a what a beautiful <laughs> logo, what a beautiful uh, motto fine. for the for the university. That's wonderful. All right, Stephen, thanks so much for coming on. Great stuff on the Colts again. Follow him at Holder Stephen. That's S T E P H E N on Twitter, and he covers the Colts for the Athletic. Thanks again. All right, thank you guys. Thanks for having me. So it's great stuff there from Steven. And Dave, do you have any final takeaways with the Colts? I, I like where his mind's at with the quarterbacks. And I, I hope he's right about Paris Campbell. I know that coaching staff likes him a lot. I do too. Uh, great buy-low time to get him in Dynasty. And we'll see what happens with Marlon Mack. The, the, the things that he had to say about Naheem Hines, taking more share of the, of the passing game, that's, that would be something. And that would put Hines on the, on the late-round radar for sure in PPR leagues. 
Three more teams, Jacksonville, Houston, and Tennessee. Heath, you've got the Jaguars. They went 6-10. and ten. <laughs> Kind of funny that Leonard Fournette was 7th in the NFL in carries in 15 games, but they were only 23rd in rush attempts. Like, he just dominated carries. But what do you think their team needs are right now going into 2020? Absolutely nothing. They've got Gardner Minshew. Like, what, <laughs> what do you need besides that? Um, no, I think that they are a really interesting team because we've seen Jay Gruden in the past – get great production out of Kirk Cousins, get really good. Some of the best years of Andy Dalton's career came with Gruden. Like we've seen him have a big impact on quarterbacks and passing games. They've got a good number one wide receiver in DJ Chark. After that, it's interesting because Chris Conley and DD Westbrook, I think are acceptable number twos and number threes. They're also both like if they didn't want one of those guys, it's very, almost no dead money on Conley, and he's a little bit older. So maybe maybe they go try to get a younger number two wide receiver and run Westbrook back in the slot. And then we're going to find out, A, do they want to have Leonard Fournette dominate touches again? Because if they do, they don't need a running back. Armstead, I think, is a fine guy as a backup running back, and they seem to like him a lot. But if they want to have a pass-catching running back to supplement Fournette, then I think that's something they definitely need. And there are some available in free agency. There are some available in the draft. And then finally, again, another thing where they're going to kind of signal to us what they think they need, because we didn't get to see this guy last year, but Josh Oliver, a tight end, young tight end with a ton of upside, no proven track record. We know that Gruden's offense historically in the past has used the tight end a ton they are a team that could possibly use a tight end, but they also kind of seem like a team that's moving into a rebuilding era with the defensive players that they're getting rid of. So it, it's going to be interesting to see what they do. I think they have the pieces to have a fine offense chasing the score because of a bad defense. But if they, if they go get a tight end, it wouldn't surprise me all that much either. I don't really have a follow-up question. <laughs> That was pretty thorough. Thank Anybody you. have anything else to yeah, say about the Jaguars? I, mean, I, I want to know what they do with the interior of their offensive line because they they've certainly spent a lot of money on it, and I don't know if they're going to keep the players that they've that they've spent that money on. And the tackles are young, so I'm sure they're going to count on them. I I could see a receiver like Justin Jefferson. I know that he's being talked about as a first round pick. He probably won't be there for Jacksonville in round two, and that's if the Jacksonville Jaguars have a second round pick. I'm not sure if they actually do. But that would be the type of receiver I'd love to see them add, where Chark can still be the number one and be a big play guy. And then they get a receiver who's a good route runner, who can be a good safety valve for Gardner Minshew if he so chooses to start throwing a little bit shorter moving forward. Let's go to the Houston Texans. And Ben Gretsch is standing by with his Texans report. And I think, uh, actually, Will Fuller, I think he's a free agent. I don't think he has any – I think they could cut him without any cap hits. He's not a free agent, uh, but I think they could get rid of him. They're not going to cut Will so, Fuller. The, <laughs> how could you cut league. Will Fuller? What are you going to do for those six Can't. games a season? <laughs> <laughs> what are the team needs for the Texans? Well, the Texans are in, in an interesting spot. They don't have a first-round pick. They have a, a lot of needs on the defensive side of the ball. They ha- they could really use some help on the edge without Jadavion Clowney. Whitney Merciless is, is getting up there in age. J.J. Watt is even getting up there in age and has a hard time staying healthy. They I think they need to add defensive line help. And then they also probably need to add a cornerback early in the draft, which, again, they don't have a first-round pick, so we're talking with their, maybe their second-round pick. A lot of people love talking about Houston as a destination for running backs, but they aren't in great like in a great position to make that move because of all the trades that Bill O'Brien made 
uh, last offseason, the last couple off seasons. And Carlos Hyde has been or was pretty productive for them. And Duke Johnson is there. I think there's a very real chance they go in to 2021 with those guys as their main backs. Maybe add a later round running back in the draft as like a number three. Uh, but yeah, I don't think wide receiver is a huge need. Uh, I think either Kiki Cutie or um, Kenny Stills can be that number three behind DeAndre Hopkins and Will Fuller. And you know, I believe Will Fuller is, as soon as he stays healthy, going to to take a huge step and be a wide receiver two in fantasy. Um, yes, he's been injury prone to this point, but he's going to be a top twenty guy as soon as he plays sixteen games. I mean, that's how I I feel about him. Obviously, you know, Deshaun Watson is amazing and they need to protect him. They were a little bit better at protecting him last year after the Laramie Tunsil trade, which was good to see. But they could also build up the offensive line a little bit. I have a ton of different tight ends. Jordan Thomas missed a lot of time this year. They have Jordan Akins. They had Darren Fells. They also have Kahali Waring, who's a, an upside tight end that they drafted last year. They're, they don't have really issues with pass catching spots. It's running back, but I don't know that they have the resources to invest in the position. They've got a bunch of cap room, right? Like $60 million? They got a, they got a good amount of cap room, yeah. Um, I, I want to defend Adam for a second because I didn't realize this Thank when you. he said it, that Will Fuller could be cut for nothing. Do you have any idea how much they're going to pay Will Fuller next year? It's $10 million. $10 million. $10 million, $10 million, $10 million. $10 million, $10 million, $10 million. Well, well worth it. Well that worth is a it. Let me, big let me give you chunk a, of change for a guy. Like if they have Vince, no intention of signing him to a long term deal, and they look at that ten million dollar price and they say, "Oh my god, they should try and move him now." Robbie uh, Anderson's going to get like so, fourteen million a year in free agency, and Will Fuller is. And what do you think Robbie Will Fuller's going to ask for Will next year? Fuller's, He's going to base his next contract off of what Robbie gets. His sixteen yeah. game pace for his career is about eight hundred and fifty yards a season. Mm-hmm. Like it's not okay, as if on. if he had just, just played just and last year his sixteen game pace like it was just stop. he was really good nine seventy five almost a thousand yards if he'd have played sixteen games no you know what you got on me on this when I did this with Sammy Watkins because Sammy Watkins had a sixteen game pace in two thousand eighteen that wasn't really reflective because he left a couple of games early with injury and that's exactly what happened with Will Fuller his sixteen game pace went in his healthy games his nine healthy games his eighty two catches one thousand one hundred sixty one yards and five touchdowns on a 121 targets. This guy is going to break out if he stays healthy. Not only that, according to ESPN, during the 2019 regular season with Fuller on the field, the Texans averaged 296.8 passing yards per game. That average was nearly cut in half without him. 158.3 passing yards per game. And then I did the math. Deshaun Watson averaged 8.4 more fantasy points per game in the nine healthy games that Fuller played compared to the, the six without him. Watson only played 15 games or the six in which he left with an injury or did not play at all. It's a huge difference. He is a big play guy. He he makes a big difference. We know that for Deshaun Watson. We It's possible that we have not even seen the best of Deshaun Watson because he is so much better when Will Fuller plays. And finally, I think we talk of team needs here. They're changing their play caller. They need a new philosophy. Like they need to throw the ball more. Stop running the ball so damn much. They were 21st in pass attempts. They have one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. Open it up and and like stop with these plotting running backs and let Deshaun Watson do his thing. I will say the the problem when you just cut it down to the nine games, and you're right, Adam, that is a, a better way to do it, is it emphasizes the two games or three games when Kenny Stills didn't play, and that was when Will Fuller had his huge target numbers. All right, honestly, that's like he had a 16-target game and an 11-target <laughs> game when Kenny Stills weren't in there, wasn't it? So Kenny Stills right. was taking so, target. Fair. 
Yes, Kenny Stills was more productive on a per-target basis than Will Fuller was last year. They're they're very very similar types of players. Set Will Fuller is good. Okay, so uh, how about well, we have one more team here? <laughs> Kenny Stills is good. Uh, Tennessee Heath, what does Tennessee need to do? They went nine and seven. They finished second. They obviously had a great year. Uh, runners they need up lots in the of AFC. things. What do they need to do? Like they don't have hardly any offensive players currently on their team. No Derrick Henry. No Ryan Tannehill. <laughs> Their number one wide receiver is Corey Davis. I expect uh, they're going to cut Delaney uh, Walker. No, um, I don't. We don't know well, what, I, who's I on their feel team. Like Heath is just trying to troll me this entire episode. AJ Brown's obviously the number one wide receiver. Yeah. Um, they we don't. They have to sign a running back. Maybe Derrick Henry. They have to sign a quarterback. Maybe Ryan Tannehill. They can franchise one of those guys, and then they'll have to sign the other one. And that's they. They may do both of those things. Um, it's they've been one of the teams linked to possibly trying to acquire Tom Brady. I personally think if Derrick Henry asks for Ezekiel Elliott money, they should immediately call Melvin Gordon and say, how much less will you take than Derrick Henry and try to get that deal done? Um, they, I think they're fine at wide receiver. And even if they cut Delaney Walker, they're fine at tight end and their offensive line is very good. So really, they, I mean, they, they have enormous needs in that they don't have a quarterback or a running back right now. Um, and those were the things they have to address, and they may address them very quickly and with the exact same players they had last year, or it could get really interesting. Dave, do you want to see them bring Ryan Tannehill back, or do you want them to get in that free agency market where we do have you know, the best quarterbacks ever in free agency, basically? If, if they had, and this is going to make me sound like bitter toward Arthur Smith, who's their offensive coordinator. And Arthur Smith did a great job last year. But if they had a more experienced, more diverse, and maybe more aggressive offensive coordinator, that I'd want them to get Ryan Tannehill out of town. And I, they might save money by having Phillip Rivers and Melvin Gordon compared to Derrick Henry and Ryan Tannehill. And that sounds crazy, but you you would have some synergy between your quarterback and your running back. Rivers could come in. He would be able to do uh, just as well, I would think, with A.J. Brown, Corey Davis, and Jonu Smith. Tight end from Phillip Rivers has always been getting a lot of attention. And I think the offense could go in an exciting new direction that way instead of being – all right, let's load up the left side of the line and run Derrick Henry that way, and then let's load up the right side of the line and run Derrick Henry that way. They were they were so focused on just running Derrick Henry that they didn't use him as coming out of the backfield as much as they could have as a pass catcher. That's that was the mo- the next natural step for him in 2019, and they could have they could have unleashed him that way because if he's on the sideline catching the ball and heading downfield, what's a defensive back going to do? What's a 190-pound cornerback going to do to slow down Derrick Henry? It's not going to be a lot. So I, if they were more innovative offensively, I would want them to go and, and get all this exciting new talent, bring it in, and, and try and be one of the most prolific offenses in the AFC. I, I will say that as, I don't think they're going to do that. I think it's going to no, be Arthur I don't Smith. think they're going to do it's, either, it's gonna, but I wish they would. Assuming it's Arthur Smith and Ryan Tannehill and Derrick Henry, they all need a golden horseshoe because that's the only way that they're going to repeat the efficiency <laughs> that they had in 2019. Like They're all going to regress. Let's go to the emails at fantasyfootball at cbsi.com. We'll keep doing two divisions per day until we uh, knock them out. So here's an email from Matthew from the Midwest, and he says... Dear Cooper, Hofstadter, Kuthrapali, and Wallowitz, Ben Gretsch, please tell me you get that reference. I don't. 
Oh, the Big Bang Theory. Come on. The big, you, I was going to say those are all Amaris. <laughs> yeah. Everybody on the Big Bang Theory is named Amari. Uh, simple question here. It's a dynasty league. For the 2020 rookie draft, would you rather have the 1.2 pick or 1.3 one, and 1.7? One, 1.3 one, and 1.7. One, 1.3 and 1.7. One, 1.3 and 1.7. One, yes. That's an easy one. Thank you, Matthew. Uh, this is from Chad from Tennessee. Hey, Mr. White, Shades, Jimmy, Lenny, and Faye. Anybody? No? Okay, I'll Google. Mm. No clue. No clue. I just completed my first year in Dynasty with a first-place trophy. But I'm wondering nice. uh, the valuation of draft picks versus veterans. I've been offered James Conner and Ben Roethlisberger for the 12th pick of the rookie draft, 112. Um, Connor and Ben or that 12th pick? What would you guys rather have? He has Jameis and Trubisky at quarterback. He has McCaffrey. Could use some help, I guess, at running back. McCaffrey, Coleman, Mostert, Singletary, Latavius, Mike Boone, Bryce Love. I would take Connor and Ben. I might be in the minority, but I'd rather have Connor than 1.12. Yeah, Big Ben has almost no value if you already have a reasonable quarterback, but... Um, well, and that's the thing. He right? has Trubisky and Jameis. We don't know right now if he has a yeah. starting quarterback. Yeah, if sure, Jameis is back sure. in Tampa Bay, he's good. And if not, then he could need a quarterback. I was yeah. going to say, purely from a value perspective, though, I think Connor... I agree with Heath. I think Connor is probably worth the one to... I, I mean, I, I like those back end of the first round picks. There's still good prospects there, especially in a deep class like this. But, um, you know, I could definitely see taking the veterans. I would probably lean towards the rookie, to be honest. I think I'm going to lean toward the the Steelers guys because we don't know about Jameis. If you can wait and hold off, and you find out that Jameis is starting for Tampa Bay, then I don't, I don't think you need to give up 112 for for James Conner. Maybe you ask for a pick back with Conner. Maybe you get a second round pick or a third round pick back with Conner, and then it could it could be a, a good deal. But this team's wide receivers are great: Julio, Amari Cooper, Robert Woods, AJ Brown. That's good depth at wide receiver. It's going to be a competitive team just based on that with Christian McCaffrey being on the team. So what are you really adding at 112 that's going to change the the you know this offense, this lineup drastically, I should say. And I don't know if there's going to be anybody there at 112 that will drastically change the lineup. And so you might as well go for it with Roethlisberger and Connor, providing you need the quarterback help, or especially if you need the quarterback help. Mr. White, Shades, Jimmy, Lenny, and Faye. <laughs> That thing you do, <laughs> that's the first time in this show's history that we have had a that thing you do reference. And finally, Andy from the middle of the mitten says, Dear Barry, Billy, Mel, and Bobby, that feels very baseball-y to me. I was I thinking it's Lions. It out. Lions. No, it's old uh, Giants baseball. I think you're right, isn't it? Like Mel Ott? Oh, is it? Oh, it's Lions. Sorry. It probably is that. <laughs> the mitten. Mel Gray. <laughs> Barry Sanders. Uh, yeah. Billy Sims. Billy Sims. I don't know. Bobby. Probably. Is that Bobby is that Bobby Ross? It can't be. Could it? Bobby Abair? He was never on the Lions. Bobby Ross coached the Lions uh, once upon a time. Maybe that is it. I have no idea. Okay. Maybe it's Bobby. Cool Heenan. Bobby Lane? Bobby Lane. <laughs> Bobby. Bobby Heated. Full PPR league. We can start two running backs and three wide receivers or one running back and four wide receivers. Should I keep DK Metcalf or Devin Singletary? Very, Sorry, very I was still close. thinking Barry I was still thinking about Barry and Bobby Bonds and how confused I was by the Giants. What? 
Uh, th- I, I went Mel to made the podcast today. My <laughs> dynasty trade chart, and I have these two very, very close. I actually have Singletary just ahead of Metcalf. The fact that you only have to start one running back might be enough to, for me to say Metcalf over Singletary, but uh, very, very close. I love Singletary. I think I'd, I'd still keep Metcalf, though, because of Metcalf the upside. Metcalf for me, too. Yeah. I want to sing that thing you do just because I'm going to have it in my head for the rest of the day, and I feel All like right, show's everybody over then. else should. But I'm not going to. <laughs> I'm not going to do it. Thanks a lot, everybody. Great show today. Appreciate it, Ben, Dave, and Heath, and all of you for listening. we got the XFL show that's going to be released on Friday morning. Until then, I'm Adam Azer. Talk to you on Friday with XFL and on Monday with some more team uh, off-season needs. And have a great weekend, everybody. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at newbalance.com.